1: Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.g-o-m-in-n-o.com.
0: Hey, David Thomas. Hey,
1: Sissy Goff.
0: So fun to be with you again. It
1: is great to be with you Sittin too. Sitting in
0: your office.
1: We're back in Nashville, Tennessee. We
0: are, and we are talking about entitlement. I feel like there should be like, dun, 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 <laughs> which is a thing we have parents talk to us about a lot. But before we even get to that, you know what we haven't done as we've recorded all these episodes? We haven't talked about something vintage we would want to bring back. So I want to hear something you loved when you were a kid that you would want to bring back today.
1: The Brady Bunch. Oh I love that show.
0: E-T- and I had an
1: enormous crush on Marsha.
0: On Marsha? Yes. David? Yes. You really ramped up when you got to Connie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did. Marsha Brady, Jacqueline Smith from Charlie's Angels, Olivia Newton John from Greece. Yes. My teenage crushes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Oh, yes. What about you? What do you want to bring back? Photos ripped out of those teen magazines of Tom Cruise and Rob Lowe and all those guys myself.
1: Sean Cassidy. Sean
0: Cassidy. I remember getting his album. I love do run, it. run, run, run. Yes. Oh, that's so good. That's fun. We're was, so
1: dating ourselves, aren't so we? We're so
0: dating ourselves. Yes, Andy Gibb.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was thinking more about a toy that I would say was my favorite toy. And it's funny, I don't even know if they still make them, but I wish they did because I think I spent Hours, countless hours with a light bright.
1: Oh, the light bright! Man,
0: it fun. I got to be creative and make these beautiful things. But it was like color by numbers. You knew exactly what you were doing. It was so fun. I just can feel myself sitting on the floor of my house, punching those little pegs in Light Bright.
1: Don't you know our parents hated that toy though? Those pieces were everywhere That's all true. the time. Talk about
0: choking hazards. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: The same kids who rode in the back of a station wagon with no seatbelt were choking um. on Light Bright pieces, right?
0: <laughs> that was us. And no regulation on our Atari no. time either. We figured
1: a few things out since then, haven't we?
0: Yes, we have. But I can't imagine that Atari pixels were that bad because it was so pixelated it couldn't even have done much <laughs> to your brain. Oh, man. Half of our audience doesn't even know what we're talking about no. right now.
1: No. No. They don't know about the Light Bright or the Atari, sadly. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, let's move on to entitlement. And you know, it's interesting because we have talked a lot about that this season is based on a book that Melissa and I wrote called Modern Parents, Vintage Values. And I don't know if this happens to you, but I feel like when I'm writing a book, it just so happens that God brings kind of the right stories as it's going. Does that happen to you? Yes. So grateful for that always. So I was in the midst of, I think the entitlement chapter, and I met with this family for the first time. And the daughter came in first. And she was pretty tough, I will say. I mean, I think entitled could have been a word that I would have used to describe her. And so I spent a little bit of time with her as an introduction. And then I brought her mom back and I said, tell me a little bit more about why you're here. And she said, well, my daughter got a hold of our credit card and she spent $5,000 over the course of one week with our credit card. Wow. I know, that was my reaction. I mean, I just thought, that is a lot of money. And this was 12 years ago, so it was even more money 12 years ago. And I said, wow, what kind of consequences did you give her? And she said, I brought her to you, (laughs) which I never want to be the consequence for anyone, first of all. But I think that was obviously the problem was bigger than just the money she had spent on our parents' credit card. And so I'm excited for us to talk a little bit more about entitlement and some things practical things parents can do to help ward it off. Yeah,
1: let's do. Let's start there with just some ideas of how to battle entitlement, and then we'll talk about some practical takeaways for parents. I would say a starting point would be helping kids differentiate between needs and wants.
2: Oh, yeah, that's good.
1: I think it's common to exchange those words. And I'll be honest, I may be the worst in my household. We live within walking distance of Jenny's ice cream, which is just the worst thing maybe that's ever happened to me. And I'm guilty constantly of saying, I need Jenny's ice cream. And the truth is, I never need it again, but I want it all the time. And I think it's easy to swap those words. I think about how often all of us say things like, I'm starving and we're not starving. Mm. We're hungry sometimes, but <laughs> yes. not starving. But we exchange so many words, things that are a crisis, that are really more of a problem, or a hassle. And we talk about it within the context of emotional vocabulary, like how easily kids go straight to I feel depressed rather than sometimes saying I feel sad. They may not be depressed. They may just be feeling some intense sadness Mm -hmm. or exchange words like I'm having a panic attack when they may just be experiencing some intense worry. It Mm -hmm. may not be an actual panic attack or it may not be diagnosable anxiety, but we use a lot of extreme words. We interchange words often. And I think camping out in that space of making sure we're using the right words first would be a really important place to start in battling entitlement. What would you add to that?
0: I'm picturing a 14-year-old girl who says, I need those new tennis shoes that everyone has. Then as a parent, what would you do? Yeah,
1: well, as I said with my ice cream story, I understand <laughs> what it feels like to need something that I really don't need. And I think for a parent to step in was saying, I understand that you want those. Mm. It's okay to want things, but let's pay attention to even that language and phrasing. Like, do you need those? Is it a necessity to live in this life with those tennis shoes on your feet? And then moving from there to something practical as well. Well, if you want them as badly as I'm hearing you want them, what would it look like to earn money? To be able to... Buy those for yourself if that's something that you're really wanting, but always replacing that. And I think watching for where we could fill in with our own stories, like Mm -hmm. saying, I'm guilty too. I'm guilty too. I swap those words around a lot myself.
0: And, you know, like we talk about with so many things, if you explain it once, then the next time you don't have to go into the explanation. You can just say, do you want it or do you need it? Just to help prompt them again to think differently can be so important. The second thing we would say is we want to teach the art of reciprocity. And it's interesting you talked about Are My Kids on Track? Because I would say there's so much about Are My Kids on Track? And things that kids are learning that helps with entitlement. And reciprocity is definitely one. And really reciprocity in two different ways. The first would be in relationship. And you, in your practice, do what with boys?
1: Ah. Throw a Nerf football back and forth to help boys get that natural rhythm of conversation and the back and forth and learning to talk and listen, learning to ask questions and answer questions.
0: Yes. And I use a tennis ball in my office a lot with girls. And developmentally, kids truly believe they are the center of the universe. And so they're not going to be aware of asking questions, listening to the other. Now, we can start teaching them that early. I mean, Henry already learned. (laughs) He says, how was your day? And then he runs off to play with Legos while someone's answering. But at least he's asking. I love that Kathleen and Aaron are already asking the question. And so around the dinner table to have them take turns asking questions, responding to each other. And I think because of working so much with girls, I would say it's not just conversationally, but it's relationally in terms of time spent. I tell girls a lot of times, girls, I feel like, can either lean towards hitting the ball constantly or just receiving the ball. And so the child who's hitting the ball constantly is the one who says, will you play with me? Will you play with me? Hey, will you come over to my house? And they end up looking a little desperate, which does not work well for female relationships. And so I will say to girls, okay, you served the ball last time. You've got to wait till they return that ball. And back and forth just to help them learn that idea of reciprocity. And I think as you're thinking about that with girls or boys, and they ask to have a friend over, another great way to help them give back is to help them set up for the friend, help them make whatever snacks you're going to have, get things ready, even for a birthday party. I think that can be so good for kids to get to do. David, did you get your taxes finished?
2: <laughs>
0: what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> what are you eating?
1: Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone.
0: Where did you get them?
1: Thrive Market.
0: Uh, how much do we love Thrive Market?
1: I could record an entire podcast about that topic.
0: You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from The Honest Kitchen.
1: I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on.
0: (laughs) From pets to kids to grownups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive.
1: Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time
0: saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs.
1: Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks.
0: And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order?
1: I saved $32.
0: I saved over $12.67.
1: How much did Patches save?
0: (laughs) A lot. She's ordering more than I am.
1: You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month.
0: Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give.
1: I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift.
0: That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG. Thrivemarket.com slash RBG. And the other way we would talk about reciprocity is in perspective. And that goes back to another milestone that's ownership. And I think when we're not helping kids find their way to ownership, it leads to entitlement. When we perpetually see kids as the victim, and sorry, I'm, I'm picking on probably a lot of you or a few of you out there right now. And there are a lot of kids that we both talk to who say things like, I'm always the one left out. I'm never asked to do anything. There are certain kids that will be left out a whole lot more. But if your child is using words like always, that typically is just that overestimating the problem. And especially if they're anxious, because anxiety significantly impacts our perspective. And I will never forget the sweet, sweet family. And their daughter was coming to Daystar. And she was in a group. And her mom called me and said, you know, she just feels like she's not connecting with anyone in the group. She feels like they're all closer to everyone else than she is. And she's just having a hard time. And she walks in and no one speaks to her. Well, this group happens to meet at my house and I walk in and no one speaks to me because they're adolescents and they're narcissistic, which is definitely a thing. And I specifically have watched them be really excited for her to be a part of their group. I watched them ask questions. And so I tried to say to her mom, because this is a scenario that has repeated across a lot of different places in her life. And I said, I really want you to challenge her that it could be perspective. And I want you to think about that it might be her perspective. She called me again two weeks later said the same story, and I had specifically watched in that time, and it didn't happen. And then she ended up dropping out of group. Mm. And I will say, not to pick on, but there are certain Enneagram numbers that I think can lean that way. I have a friend who said she was a certain number. I'm not going to say what they are, but you know if you're listening. And she said, it's like we're always in the wrong line. And I think that Mm. is often that kind of victim mentality, not intending to. And so... With your kids, you want to realize, I think we got to be better detectives.
2: Mm.
0: We've got to see if there might be more to the story and even ask them questions like that. And I think we also want to ask other sources, call the teacher, what's happening at school? Tell me about our friendships and trust the answer that the sources give you because we don't want to just trust their perspective. And I think a great thing to say to kids in those moments is it feels like blank, but the truth is blank where we're still acknowledging their feelings, but we're getting them back to a place of truth in their perspective. That
1: is so important. I love that you shared that. I would say another weapon against entitlement is gratitude. Mm. It's amazing to me how gratitude is the solution for so many things. Even when you were talking about anxiety, we talk about how gratitude resets the brain when we're stuck in those looping thoughts. And I think gratitude is a game changer with kids who are struggling with entitlement. And as we say so often, it really starts with us. It starts with us modeling gratitude, being reminded as we talked before on this podcast that kids learn more from observation than information and watching us. And I would say as parents, think about all the exchanges you have over a course of a day when the barista at Starbucks hands you your drink to be able to model gratitude in that moment. I'd also challenge you to think about what happens when the barista hands you a drink that wasn't prepared correctly and how you respond in that moment as well we've got opportunity on both sides and you know since he had this really interesting experience in a 24-hour period where I sat front row to two different parents who were struggling themselves a lot with regulation not modeling gratitude modeling the opposite and one happened here in our office sadly I was coming down the stairs a little while back My office is on the second story of the house heading toward our front office, and I could hear the voice of a mother I had met with to do an assessment who, interestingly enough, brought her eight-year-old son who was struggling a lot with regulation. Mm. And she was obviously frustrated that she couldn't get an after-school appointment in the exact time slot she was hoping for. I knew this because I could hear it from the second story of the house. And the ironic thing was I was walking down the stairs carrying a feelings chart that one of our coworkers had left in my office to return. And as I rounded the corner and she was yelling so loudly at our office manager, I didn't realize until I turned the corner that her son was standing right next to her Mm. watching this exchange. So, you know, a lot of the work that we do is helping kids learn to regulate. Sometimes I just accidentally help parents learn to regulate too (laughs) when they forget how to do that. And I slid that feelings chart right in front of her that was in my hand and I said, oh, no, 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 no. And I looked at her son I said, I can tell your mom is feeling really frustrated right now. And she's going to take a break for a little while and then call the office back when she feels calm and Mm -hmm. talk about the appointment. And I gave her a look like that is your only good option right now. And shockingly, the very next day I was at the airport heading out speak. And there was a dad in the airport who was obviously frustrated and voicing all of his frustrations to a gate agent with his young daughter standing right there, Mm -hmm. yelling and screaming and highly dysregulated. And I felt like I was trying to compensate. So I was modeling so much gratitude with the gate agent. As soon as I got to this person, I was like, you're doing an amazing job. I can't imagine how difficult it is to be an airline employee right now. I even laughingly said, I bet the only creatures you want to interact with are the emotional support dogs right now. (laughs) The gate agent looked at me as if to say, oh, you've no idea. You've no idea. But my challenge would just be, let's pay such close attention to what we're modeling in front of the kids we love. And hear me say, it is a normal human experience to get frustrated, to feel angry. Let's model regulation in front Mm. of our kids in those moments so Mm -hmm. that we can get back to modeling gratitude. Let's remember, as was happening with... That last exchange, that gate agent is not in charge of the FAA or the entire (laughs) airline. Like, they didn't deserve all of that. And so let's model the gratitude they would deserve in the sense of this is a hard time to be an airline employee. And what does it look like to model in front of our kids what we're wanting for them?
0: Mm, I love that. I read a quote this morning. That is by my favorite writer Frederick Beekner, and mm-hmm. he says we learn to praise God not by paying compliments, but by paying attention. Which wow. feels like such a piece of gratitude to me that when you stop and notice that that's happening with the gate agent, or even when we're on a walk with our kids and we stop and notice the sunset, whatever it is that when we're paying attention, it does seem like it leads to more gratitude, which helps shut down some of that entitlement. Yes, yeah, I love
1: that. It changes us. It does. We are so thrilled to be partnering with our friends at Minnow to bring back the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. We all know that devices are here to stay. So if you want to make screen time meaningful for your kids, Minnow is for you. A new streaming service designed just for kids. Minnow has over 2,000 episodes of fun and faith-filled shows that have been carefully curated by moms, dads, and church leaders. So it's safe for your family. Check them out at podcast.gominno.com. That's podcast.gominno.com to start your free trial. So let's talk about a few practical takeaways. All right. Can I throw out one? Please. The first would be involving kids in fundraising. And I mean that in two ways. You know, I think... Fundraising with an organization or a nonprofit that you feel really passionate about, raising funds in your own home. We talk so often about, you know, kids can't learn to steward money well unless they have money to steward. So, Mm. unless they have opportunity to earn funds, you know, whether that's chores connected to allowance or a list on the refrigerator of odd jobs they could do to earn some money. They can't learn to spend money wisely, to save money well, to tithe money. So they've got to have opportunities to get money so they can learn to steward that money well, and that doing so is where I think kids make amazing connections about the value of money, which is a key way to battle against entitlement. So be thinking on that. And again, if you're a parent listening and you don't really love the idea of connecting Allowance to chores, that's okay. There are different schools of thought around that, but do think about having a running list on the refrigerator of odd jobs so that kids do have that opportunity. If you are parenting adolescents, be thinking about part-time jobs your kids could do. If they're too young to be employed by a company or a place, they could still do babysitting or car washing or lawn mowing opportunities where they get to earn money, where they get to work under other authority, where they get to steward money and learn the value of money.
0: Even lemonade stands for littles can certainly do the same. Yes, I love that. In addition to fundraising, I would say bring them in on the gift giving. I cannot even count the amount of families I have sat with. Actually, it's one of my favorite questions. As we're nearing the holidays, I will typically say to kids, so what's the process of getting your mom a Christmas present? And I'm saddened at how often kids will say, well, my dad goes out and gets that and puts my name on it really, we would encourage you not to do that. Let them be a part of the gift giving. We know families who the kids earn extra money to buy gifts for their friends. You may not feel like you need to do that. But I think at least talk about a budget with them for family members, for friends. Let them have access to that money and let them buy gifts. Because It means so much more to them to have given to their parents. Christmas morning will be so much richer for them. And just for the sheer purpose of having to think about someone else is really so important for kids. I will never forget the gift I was most proud of as a kid. I saved up money and bought my mom a purse. Who knows if she wanted the purse, but I thought she did. And I was so excited about it. And it meant so much to me. And and I think we want to give kids that opportunity. And I think even with single parents, it can be an amazing thing to help them and to have other people who help them initially. And often they'll take it on on their own. Like we have a dear friend who told us an amazing story just recently or told you one. Will you tell him about I that? I'd
1: love to. She's one of the most amazing moms she we know. She is, yes. And she has an extraordinary oldest daughter who recently went to college, who you know and love. And she has, as is the case, I think, for a lot of firstborn girls in particular, been quarterbacking a lot of the gift-giving to their mom over the years. And now that she lives in another state and it's not there, her second brother, next in line, took up the banner of mm-hmm. celebrating his mom's birthday. And he... <laughs> He told me that he knew she loved Target, so he is 16 and drove himself to Target, and he said it got a little overwhelming when I was pushing my cart into the women's section and I ended up in the bra section. Mm. I know. Teenage boy stuck there, and he's like, how in the world did I find myself here? And he got himself out and then asked for help and said, I'm here to buy a gift for my mom, and will you help me out? And the worker helped him pick something out for his mom, and then he came home and... And FaceTimed his amazing sister who said, okay, here's where the streamers are and get the paper out and do this and coached him through executing, decorating the kitchen so that when his mom came down the next morning... She could feel celebrated in her birthday. And I love that story for a thousand reasons.
0: And she's so thoughtful, she may have come up with it the first time herself, but I think it's just as likely that a grandparent suggested her taking that on and helped her buy the first gift or decorating the house, or one of her mom's friends did. And so if you're listening and you have a friend who's a single mom, talk to their kids, take them. To go shopping somewhere. I have done that with kids that I counsel. I've even prompted them on some ideas. Yes, because I think it's just so important. I even took Henry, I don't know if I told you this, I I took Henry this past Christmas to Target myself and decided we were going to do this every year. And I was going to let him buy his mom and dad a gift that would be a surprise to them so he would feel the ownership of it. And I quickly decided that they were going to both end up with excavators (laughs) if I didn't say, okay, here's the department we're going. And so Barely two, I guess, at the time. I had him pick out pajama pants, but he got to pick the design for the pajama pants. So he was excited about that on Christmas morning. So we can start really early with that, but we want to help them participate in gift giving. Yes. What would you add?
1: I would add that I think 100% of the time, it's great for kids to have a voice, for us to listen to how they're feeling about things, to understand more of what they're thinking. And at times... I think it's great for kids to have a choice, you know, picking out whether I want to wear the green shirt or the red shirt to school today, even at times getting to have some ownership in what's coming for dinner and maybe help in preparing that meal. And then I think there are times where kids don't have a choice. I talk a lot with parents about that, that there are times where kids have a voice, but not a choice. And I don't know in this day and age if that's as popular an idea, because I think we Probably do a lot more of letting kids have a voice and a choice in every single thing, and we talk so much about how giving kids too much power creates what insecurity. Yeah, it creates insecurity. No kid, no adolescent wants to feel like they are the strongest person in the room. They want to feel like the grownups are the strongest people in the room. If they're the strongest person in the room. They're in charge of taking care of everyone, mm-hmm. and we don't even ever though wanna... they push for it sometimes. Yes, yes. adolescents especially, yeah. absolutely, but they don't want to be, and so think about that in so many different moments of life and where, again, we want to always hear from kids, but we don't want to let them be in charge of some really big decisions. And I was talking with a family the other day, they're interviewing for private schools and the mom said, I think he should get to pick. And I said, I want to challenge your thinking on that and say, I think he should have a voice in that decision. I think you should absolutely hear all of what he's thinking and feeling, but." If he picks the school instead of the grown-ups picking with his voice as part of the equation, he's going to carry the weight if he ever feels like I picked the wrong school if I'm solely responsible for this decision. It's a part of why, you know, we were talking about single parents and divorce situations. The research says it's not good for kids to be in charge of the visitation schedule. That's a grown-up decision. We want to hear from them, what's the schedule like for you? What's hard for you? What's working for you? But they're not in charge of changing that schedule or setting that schedule. They're just decisions in this life that are too big for kids, and they're grown-up decisions where, again, they have a voice but not a choice. Mm,
0: I love that voice but not a choice.
1: What else would you add?
0: I think the last thing I would add is back to that idea of ownership, teaching kids that there are two sides to every street or almost every street. I had a mom who I think every time her daughter talked about conflict in relationship, and this daughter had a lot of conflict in relationship (laughs) throughout her lifespan, I think, or her growing up years. The mom would listen with a lot of empathy. She would always start there. And then she would say, what do you think your part is in that? I would definitely say as an adult, I think every time someone has hurt my feelings and I've tried to talk it through with them, I've hurt their feelings back. I mean, really every time. And so we want to help kids get to that. And I remember her telling me that story. I can tell you where we were sitting when she said, you know, I would get mad. I would get mad at my mom every time she did it. And now I'm so glad. She was a junior in high school when she said that. So hang in there. And always we want to feel like we start with listening with a whole lot of empathy. Otherwise, I think feel dismissed and feel like we're not on their team. But when we listen with empathy and gently ask, could there be more to the story? I think we really help fight some of this entitlement that happens for kids of all ages. So glad to get to talk about this. I feel like It's such an important conversation.
1: It really is. And now Melissa's going to share some timeless
2: truths. Paul says in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, Summing it all up, friends. And let me just say, friends, I'm not going to sum it all up, but I really love what Paul says here. He says, friends, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Well, that's quite a list there. And then he goes on to say, put into practice what you have learned from me, what you've heard, what you've seen. Sissy and David, again, have spoken about that, about how your kids will watch you, times of entitlement that you've had, and lots of examples that they gave. Paul is saying with such confidence, but I believe with a humility, with a humble confidence, that put into practice what you've learned from me, what you've heard, what you've seen, what you've realized. But the word that stands out to me is a word that I use a lot in the summertime with the kids when we were at camp. It's not exactly a warm word. It's not one that really puts a smile on your face when you hear. In fact, many times when this word was used, we have memories of, oh, no. The word is practice. Practice. And this is what Paul says in this scripture. Practice. Practice practice what you've learned, what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've experienced. In the summer at camp, I use that word a lot. Okay, we're going to practice. This week, it's just practice. Because so often, when we're trying to teach a truth, or we're wanting our kids to perform in a certain way, it becomes such pressure. And practice takes away some of that pressure. It leans more, I believe, toward grace. It's doing something over and over again until you become more accomplished in it. I really literally looked up 45 scriptures that the word practice is used. That's what I encourage the kids. Practice kindness this week. So as not to just say, all right, be kind. It's very important to be kind. And come on, so legalistic. God knows we're going to fail. He didn't say, become skilled at being humble. He didn't say, try to understand all these things I just said. He didn't say, master humility. He said, practice it. So I feel like the word practice is a very inviting word. It's sometimes we don't want to do it, we want it to just happen. Practice free throws. Some of you remember that when you were younger. You didn't just stand at the line and hit one after another. You practice. You became better and better, or you quit. Practice cooking. How many of us say, oh, if I could just cook like my mother or I could cook like the lady down the street. And every time I moan and groan about that, my mother says, it just takes practice. Just do it. Well, I'm not exactly sure what the opposite of entitlement, although I've mentioned the word humility. And that's where I feel like I would land right now. So it would be more of practicing being humble, practicing kindness, practicing gratitude. And it's not so much stressing, do not be entitled. Really, when it comes down to it, at least for me, my whole life is a practice until the day I see Jesus. And even in the midst of my failures and how I have missed so many free throws, i never learned to play the piano, and I haven't even started really learning to cook. I will be accepted. Your children will be accepted because there is one who is perfect, and even he did not have a sense of entitlement.
1: The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love, and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcasts.goMinno.com. That's podcasts.gominnow.com.